Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the BDX podcast. In this episode, we're talking about social media. This podcast was recorded live at BDX Glasgow, a digital marketing event which takes place every fortnight in Glasgow City Centre. If you want to come along to one of the events and live in Glasgow, follow us at BDX Glasgow on Twitter to get free tickets for the event. Uh, we'll click around in action here where we're introducing our panellists for the event. First question is the easiest question to answer. If they can answer this, then we're a bit ruined. Uh, these guys all come from different aspects of working in social every day. So, starting from left to right, start with you. Uh, if you like to introduce yourself and basically give everyone in the room an idea of who you are, what you do, and what aspect of social you work in. Okay. Hi, I'm Holly and I work, is this working? Yeah. I work at Accelerate, um, the precious sales company, we're a stem cell banking company. Um, and we're based in Motherwell. So I've recently started there only about three months. So I look after the marketing and the social media there. So previously to that, I'd worked with different digital agencies um, and worked for myself for a year and a half doing marketing and social media consultancy. Um, so it's more like going into smaller businesses and training them on you know, the basics of social media and how to grow it from the start to using campaigns. Sorry, I'm drinking some water. Uh, Matthew. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Matthew Marley. I've been working in the digital industry now for about six, seven years. Um, I've worked for a range of agencies, um, including some of Scotland's top digital agencies. I'm currently um, the senior social strategist at Umigo. Um, we work with clients such as Amazon, Google, um, Club Med, Fisherman's Friend, um, a lot of big global brands. So I'm the head of social there and run all the sort of digital campaigns around social media from organic to, to sort of paid social campaigns. Great. And Bryony, please. Hi, I'm Bryony Cullen. I'm the community manager for Yelp Glasgow. Uh, if you don't know what Yelp is, it's the ultimate guide to Glasgow. You can get it as an app on your phone. Um, if you want to know the best restaurants, bars, where to get amazing fish soup, you can come and ask me and I'll tell you exactly where to get that from. Uh, social media is a part of my job and I work with a lot of small businesses and businesses across Glasgow about getting in touch with their new customers, their old customers, anyone that wants to know more about their business. So that's my uh, part of my job for Yelp Glasgow. Great, great, great. Uh, now we all have an idea of who they are and what they do. Uh, softball for you, I'll start with you this time. We're going to go that way, we're going to make it easy. Uh, very simple question, Matthew. Should all businesses be social? Quick answer, um, no. Um, it really just... Yep. <laughs> um, right, it really does depend that's on all your go home. audience. Um, we, in previous roles for smaller agencies, we've worked with clients who have came to us and demanded that they, they be on social. And we've said to them that the, the audience isn't there, but again, they've, they've wanted to use Facebook, they've wanted to use Twitter, um, and six months down the line, um, they haven't seen that return on investment. So it's, it's very much about if your audience is using social, then you should be sort of using social. Thank you very much. Brian? Yeah, I think if you've got a business that people are talking about and there's a conversation about your business happening, say, on Twitter or on Facebook, I think you need to be, make yourself a part of that conversation. You can't have people talking about your business if you're not adding anything. There's nothing worse than seeing people tweeting to business accounts on Twitter and there's just no one, no one there... Don't be that person, that's just terrible. So if people are trying to talk to you, make sure that you've got an actual presence and you're, you're available for your customers. Um, yeah, I just have to agree with what they say. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's um, many businesses out there who think they should be in every social media platform that's out there. 
um, you know, they're on it and they've set it all up, but when they're on it, you know, they don't update it. Um, and that actually looks worse to your customers if they're on it, you know, and they've not updated their Facebook in two months, then what are they like at getting in touch with me and um, a bit customer relationship, so. Just so you know, you don't have to put the microphone down all the time. You can hold it, don't worry. You're not going to break it. I know it's nice looking, but it's not that there. Uh, so, let me sort of know what these guys do. What about a business starting out? What should a business know? Let me start with you, Bernie. Uh, if, for some reason tomorrow, I decided I'm launching a business and I need social, what's the first thing I should know about being social? The very first thing. What do you think it is? Um, I think picking your platform is probably the best place to start. I think, like you said, like you don't want to make an account on all the social media platforms and then just use one. Like If you're going to be using, say, Facebook and Twitter, then make sure that you're doing those well rather than trying to do every single platform that's out there. And I think the really important thing, I feel like this is maybe a question that's coming up, but I think remember that you're a person. You're not just a person that's churning out a message. Remember that, you know, if there's customers there, they want to have a conversation and that's not you just blaring your one-sided message at, at the five followers that you have on Twitter. Like, it needs to be a conversation. So remember to be yourself, have a bit of banter or crack, as you say. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Holly, what do you think? Business starting out, what, sh what should they know about social? Um, I think you should have a plan first. So you shouldn't just decide tomorrow, you know, I'm going to go on Facebook and Twitter um, and not have any idea of what you're going to post. I think you need to have a strategy and whether you're going to start off and launch with a campaign. These are things to think about. Um, know where your audience are as well. Um, a lot of companies go on and they think, oh, well, I think our audience are on Facebook. And a few months later, they realise they're not actually there. The majority are on Twitter. And they should be focusing more on other platforms rather than ones they are starting on. So I think they need to do a lot of research first before they just go ahead and do it. Matthew, your thoughts? Similar to Holly, um, I would say definitely having a good understanding of what your main objective is for social. Um, I mean, every business is different. Some people might want to use it for customer service. Some people might want to be driving website clicks for conversions. Other people might be wanting to do a brand awareness campaign. Um, so I mean, when we work with clients, what we tend to do is um, look at the end point. Okay, what we want to look to achieve, where do we want to get to? Okay, I want to sell a thousand of these products at the end of the month. Okay, how are we going to get there? We're going to run Twitter ads campaign. We're going to run Facebook ads campaign. Um, and it's all about sort of website clicks. So knowing that objective. Um, I think if you're a new business, um, it's really, really important to understand now that social isn't free. A lot of people have got this impression that it's free to go on Twitter, it's free to go on Facebook, but if you want to reach your customers and your target audience, you are going to have to spend money now. Um, the organic and reach in Facebook is completely gone whatsoever. Um, even for large global brands like Amazon and Google, who I work with, um, we, just, we, we don't get any organic reach at all. So that you do need to think about having a budget in place to, to reach this target audience. Um, and again, that's across all platforms. So yeah, have a strategy in place, know your objective, and, and make sure before you start anything that you've got budget there to spend on ads and, and invest in good content as well. You talked there about uh, sort of having a strategy in place, point A, point B. Uh, in your mind, do you think if you're starting out a campaign for any sort of business, there's a, there should be like a, a no-go area or like just big no-nos that you shouldn't even consider having if you're going, right, we want to launch a social ads for our product. Is there anything you would say, just go and not do that, it's a waste of time and money? I think a lot of research is needed when you're running a campaign. So you need to go out and, and create personas, understand your audience, know where they are, what platforms that they're using, um, look at your competitors, look at what they're doing, um, potentially 
followers of your competitors, how to target them in the right channels. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, just going back to that question, what you wouldn't do um, is really just go, go in with your eyes closed and just go for it. You know, you, you see a lot of companies just going on and giving up after a couple of months because they're not getting that return of investment. So it's just don't go in with your eyes closed. Do a lot of research and, and plan it out before you actually jump in. Uh, Brownie, you work in sort of a different sort of social platform from the rest. Is there any times you find a business who wants to sort of engage on Yelp or Yelp as a tool and they basically just mess up from the get-go? Is there any sort of, you say perfect because you work with a lot of different kind of businesses, so is anything you see like tropes time and time again that you sort of go, don't do that, that's just a waste of your time? Yeah, I guess um, because it's a review platform, people are writing about your business and maybe if they've written a review that you personally don't like, a lot of business owners can take that too personally to heart. And maybe their first instinct is, I better reply to this right here and now, make the reply public and call this person a dickhead. And that is just not, unless you've got really good like backup for that, like just don't, that's not an appropriate way to respond to someone in a public forum. Just put the computer down, walk away, have a cup of tea, maybe sleep on it and then come back the next day and think about it. Um, generally, that's like the, the mistake that business owners can make if they're using a platform like Yelp to reply to their customers. I would say always just be objective, like put yourself out of the picture and just address any issues that maybe the customers raised and, and try to see how you, can, how you can resolve that as opposed to making the situation worse. Uh, Holly, do you see any sort of common mistakes you find time and time again when you see... I think that's one of the major ones is, you know, I've worked with um, a lot of restaurants before on social media and you get a call up and they have a rant and say, you know, this guy was in my restaurant and left a horrible comment, you know, I just deleted it and now he's back and having a rant on my page. You know, well, don't delete it then, because <laughs> that's what they're going to do. So I think, yeah, agreeing with Bryony, that's what you should do. Never delete bad reviews or bad comments. Um, and if you are going to do it there and then respond, always make sure you're dealing with it in a positive way. You know, don't go and offer them a free meal because then everyone will start complaining your page and you'll have all these people coming in expecting free dinners. Um, another thing is overuse of hashtags, which I see a lot. I was doing consultancy for um, a group last week. And they're like, so here's a list of 20 hashtags that we use on Instagram. It's like, no, find ones that actually have meaning. Find ones that you're... You know, people are using to search for your competitors, what your competitors using. Um, things like, I don't know, Sunny Day or something, that's not going to really help people find your hotel or restaurant in Glasgow. So um, make sure they're targeted as well. So, yeah. I'm a big proponent of, for any kind of business, you stick your guns, they want the thing and keep going. Uh, do you think, for any small business out there, if they're like considering, they may not have the biggest knowledge of social, would you consider sort of testing the fields in different kinds of platforms? For example, right, you're a plumber, you might, you're best suited to Facebook, you're a restaurant, you're best suited to Instagram, you sell clothes, you're best suited to Twitter. Matthew, start with you. Do you think there's sort of one go-to place to go, right, we'll start here, or just go pick ABC and do all three at once? What do you think is the best option? I would start on the one platform initially um, and see what the response is like. Um, and then if it's going well and once you've grown that audience a bit, then you can then look at moving on to additional platforms. You find a, a lot of companies just jump in and start. And what it's, it's very much about time and resource. If they don't have the time and resource to, to update these channels on a regular basis, 
um, they, they do sort of fall behind, and it, it doesn't. You mentioned earlier, it doesn't look good. Um, so focus on the one platform, know how to use it, and um, properly learn about all the tools that you can take advantage of to, to sort of maximise um, your 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 usage of the platform. Things like Hootsuite and Buffer, if you're using Twitter, etc. And then once you feel confident and you're getting a good response, then look at maybe moving on to different channels. You nodded a lot, Jenna Brownie. What do you think? I think I think for some businesses, some businesses do really well just being on one platform. Um, a business that I can think of in Glasgow is Bakery 47, which is on the south side. I would say most of their social media presence is on Instagram, and that's where they have their conversations with their customers, and that's where they promote themselves. Um, I don't even know if they have a social media presence on Facebook or Twitter, um, and that's their main form of interaction with their customers. And I think if that's what works for them, then that's very sensible. Um, for myself, I have a Yelp Glasgow page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and I also spend a very small amount of time on Pinterest, and by small, I mean around 10 minutes a week. Um, and I just make one Pinterest board a week because I'm not really seeing for me that that's a valuable use of my time. But maybe in the long term, that will be something that is useful. So I'm kind of trying to allocate my time accordingly. So, you know, there is a platform there that I'm interested in. Pinterest could be really cool, but I'm very careful of not wasting hours and hours of my time a week on that. Cool. Holly, do you ever sort of prefer platform you like using or are you like telling clients start off with this and stick with it? Um, yeah, I think it's important to start off with just the one platform, especially if you are a small business. I think maybe for like larger companies, if you're going to launch on social media, unless you're going to launch with a campaign that's integrated across different platforms, then yeah, go ahead if you have the team um, and you have the time and resources. Um, for me, I find I get most of my engagement on LinkedIn actually for myself um, you know from doing consultancy and I also have the Litmus social um, Twitter and Facebook page um, on Facebook I normally just get likes I never really get much engagement um, or messages from it or anything so um, definitely I prefer just using the one um, and I think as well, look at what your competitors are doing and what's working for them. You know, look and see where they're getting most of their engagement and where their customers are, you know, they're going on. Are they sharing most pictures on their Facebook or their Twitter, Instagram? And gauge from there, you know, what platform you should be on. Cool. Uh, picking up on pictures, uh, there was news this week that nine months ago, Instagram said they had 300 million active users worldwide. Yesterday, like nine months later from that last week's news, he said, oh, we have 400 million interviews worldwide. That's a massive leap in nine months. Uh, I like to think if you're a small business selling products, like specific products, Instagram is very underutilized. Uh, do you guys have any advice for you Instagram? Brian, you are not in a lodger. Do you have any advice for like Instagram for a small business, what they should do with it? Because you, you technically can't sell a link the same way you can Facebook or Twitter? What do you think it should be best used for? Yeah, I think Instagram, it's one of my favorite platforms because you can have a really different conversation with people there. Um, just a general overview tip is just like, don't be putting the same content on all your platforms. You've got to tailor it to each one. So if you are selling a product, you know, you don't want to just be like product photo that you could see if you're browsing their online store, for example, you want to see it in context. So say you're selling like cute coasters and stuff, you maybe want to be having pictures that include a whole lounge room and, and kind of set up like that. 
setting up yourself as like an aspirational brand as opposed to someone that's literally just putting up a picture of your product every day. Um, and I think you've got to be there for the conversation that's going to come up. People are going to post questions and say, what measurement is this? What price is it? What weight is it? You know, all the questions about a product that someone's going to have because they're not able to physically pick it up themselves. Um, so, yeah, you've got to be there for the follow-up questions as well that your customers are going to have. Um, and then your Instagram link has to be to where they can buy it from or you need to be inviting them to your store. Cool. Well, have you any thoughts about Instagram for small businesses? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm very, very excited about Instagram, especially with Instagram ads launching at the end of the month globally. Um, I think there's going to be a massive opportunity for local businesses there. Um, Instagram is actually one of the most easiest platforms to find local users because most people share the location when they're sharing an image. Um, so it's, dead, it's very easy to find people that are in Glasgow. If you're a, if you're a local business, um, you can sort of find people really, really quickly to follow. Um, again, hashtags are massive. Um, on Instagram um, and from a, a marketing perspective they're very underutilised um, using tools like keyword um, sort of .co uh, or sorry keyhole.co and, and other sort of um, hashtag analytics platforms let's just see the hashtags that are trending in the local area and these are the hashtags that you should be using in, when you're posting content so it gets picked up and pe local people are finding you Cool. Uh, Holly, Instagram, what do you think about it? Do you like um, it? Hate it? Love yeah, it? Yeah, I really like Instagram. I've started using it a lot more than Facebook and Twitter, like for personal use. Um, I think it's just really nice to use. I don't know what it'll be like when the ads start to roll out. Um, but I just think it's a lot more personal as well. Um, the likes of ASOS or ASOS, whatever you want to call it. Um, when you go on their website, you know, you just see pictures of a top or trousers, but they actually start sharing you know, actual people, their customers wearing the outfits. So you can see real people and different people wearing stuff with, you know, different outfits, which is quite nice. Um, so you get more inspiration, um, you know, if it's a shop or I definitely think for restaurants, it's brilliant. Um, but I do think you need to make your photos like a little more professional, um, especially because it's all, you know, mobile pictures. Um, but I definitely think it's going to be huge. It's going to get bigger. Uh, I heard someone's phone ping that wee noise, which leads to my next question. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the news today. Uh, it's something about small businesses. Anybody here run a small business and have a Facebook page? Keep your hands up for me, just anybody. One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, you mentioned about people want to talk instantly, and Instagram sort of way of going message, tell me this, 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 and this. Uh, we all we all have the awkward thing where you have your Facebook app and your Messenger app in your phone. They're sort of two different things. Uh, Facebook figured out, well, they sort of told everybody last night how they're going to make money off it, which sounds a bit stupid because it's Messenger. Uh, we all have our all sort of our pages that we own and like. Uh, if we put up a product, we'll soon have the function for a business side to add a button to an ad that will say contact via message, message via Messenger. And what that would do is, instead of you paying for likes, impressions, awareness, brand awareness on a Facebook ad, instead you would pay for somebody to actually get in touch with you who might be a customer. So, for example, if I see a nice pair of shoes and I went, right, do they have this in this size? Because it doesn't really tell me in the ad or doesn't say on the website. You could click a button, directly contact the seller and tell them. Same with the going. So, if you're a small business, so I didn't think if you have a, like, a relative who's a plumber, somebody who owns a small bakery, somebody who owns a garage, and they have a very, very small presence, don't have the money for an agency, don't have the money to do the kind of social stuff that you expect work with day to day. They now have a new platform for doing this. And the weird thing is that Facebook's trying to get people to stop phoning each other. 
like one of their advertising guys actually admitted it. So do you guys think that when you have a small business and a lot of small businesses are realizing literally maybe a mobile phone number, someone picking up the phone, someone saying, hello, can you come do a job? Do you think that we're now seeing a turn where there's a possibility here that small businesses have the chance they really just like take over local areas via something as simple as Messenger? Like what do you, what do you think? Do you think, aye, that's the way forward or that's dangerous? I'll start with you, Bernie, there. Yeah, I think, I think in... Um in theory, it's a good idea because people like the simplicity of contacting a business in their time, getting a response that doesn't interrupt them. Um, I will just make a, a point that you can message businesses for free using the Yelp app and the business does not pay and the customer doesn't pay. So nice one, Facebook, trying to monetize a conversation between two people, which I think is terrible, but uh, that's a whole other point. Um, so I do think it's a good idea to, to have kind of more conversations with your customers, but you don't want it getting to the point that you're fielding hundreds of questions from people a day that would be so easy if you could if you could answer them, you know, just a quick phone call or, or something that's a bit more simple. So um, I guess it depends on how much the conversation turns the other way. Um, no one is going to want to have, um, yeah, 100 messages coming into their inbox every day and then your little green thing on Facebook goes away because you're slow replying to your messages because you've got 100 to reply to. So... Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a careful balance for taking up too much of a business's time. I disagree. Uh, I think when you think of like a lot of small businesses, a lot of people sit and they literally wait for the phone to ring, and things like this are sort of step in that direction. Uh, Matthew, do you think that small businesses should approach this new kind of like conversation as in maybe even like direct messages on Twitter? Like I always have this idea of for some reason as a joiner. And I was searching locally, and someone had broken something. I'd be on it straight away. Do you think there's a possibility there for you talk about hashtags? Maybe it's some sort of hashtag tracking, like just do it locally. Like you may probably find new business by. I'm not going to say ulterior motives because that sounds really sickening, but sort of alternative means. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely going to be beneficial for small businesses. But um, like um, Brownie said, you're going to have to be very careful. Um, especially, I mean, if people are going to start complaining or it's just going to be like really silly questions, I mean, I, it could be become really time-intensive if you're constantly going to have to sit and pick up your, your phone and answer these questions that might not actually bring you in any business. Um, I mean, we've had a few clients who sort of use social for a lot of customer service and use things like Zendesk. I mean, Facebook announced Messenger for Business. They were really, really excited about it. But then once they actually sat down and thought about it, it's going to make it even more easier for people on Facebook really just to, to send you a quick message that might not be sort of really relevant or, or, or valuable to you. So I think it's just finding that balance. Speaking of balance, um, if this sort of new message that comes up, Holly, do you see it as being a personal touch or a bit too far removed, a bit sort of cold for a, a small business to be like, contact us via this, don't phone us, don't message us, don't email us, just tweet us or DM us? Do you think it's a bit too, uh, let's take a step back a little bit? I don't know, like I think there's also going to be options to still give them a call, but I think it's going to be great, especially for millennials, because what I'm finding talking to people is younger people and they're coming into businesses, they don't like picking up the phone. They don't like talking to people. Um, and what they do is email or if they could send you a message, they would, if they could WhatsApp you. Because um, our company recently just um, interviewed people and they were trying to call them back. But they would 
get response via email. And they're like, you know, why do they not like picking up the phone or answering it? So I think it is going to be really good for millennials. Um, and, you know, new people coming onto the platforms and there is going to be the option there to pick up the phone. But I think it's going to be good for really small local businesses. Because yeah. they they're not like busy constantly. You know, it's rare that they are always out and about. Um, so I think it will be good. All signs point towards let's let's talk less and let's spend more money. Uh, Matthew, if you were looking towards the future, the next year, two years, three years for a small business, and you had to give them some sort of social advice, what would you give them? That's a hard one. Um, that things can change so much, and I suppose that would be like be prepared for change. Um, things can change almost daily in in this industry, um, but. Just going back to the earlier question is, is be prepared to, to spend money um, because if you want to reach those customers, it's, you're not going to be able to reach them for free anymore. You're going to have to spend spend money and sometimes spend big to actually reach that target audience. For like maybe people who don't really know that much about Facebook ads, are you talking pennies for an advertisement, pounds for an advertisement, fivers, tenors? Like if I was a small business in Glasgow setting up, would you just say? I mean, I think if, you, if you're targeting local customers, then you, you could... Say for example, the, cost, the average cost per click on Facebook just now is around about 35 pence. Um, if you're looking for a website click on Twitter, you're maybe looking for over a pound um, just now. But that is sort of gradually coming down. Um, but then uh, again, like I said, it does depend on your target audience. We've got clients that are only paying three pence per click on Facebook ads at the moment, um, but are generating about five, six hundred conversions per ad. Um, so the return on investments sort of through the roof for them. Um, but for local, it, it seems to be a lot cheaper. So, um, but a lot of people are scared to use Facebook ads because they think they're going to be really expensive. But, but they're not. I mean, you can you can run an ad campaign for say ten pounds, five pounds a day, and and reach that audience that you wouldn't have reached before. Yeah. Brandy, what do you think? Do you think like two years from now, we'll be sitting still writing reviews for Yelp? Oh yes, of course. <laughs> I've been doing it for two and a half years, and it's just getting more awesome. So, um, yeah, Yelp will definitely be around. I think. People love talking about their experiences. It's very much a personal thing and people kind of use it as a, almost like a journaling experience but at the same time keeping it useful for other people. Um, I think in a broader scale of talking about like how social media is changing, I think, yeah, you definitely, you don't know what's going to happen. I think you have to be prepared for change. You have to be adaptable. But at the same time, I would say don't just jump into the, the new platform that's the hot new thing. I'm trying to do Snapchat and I'm like the worst Snapchatter ever, like follow me because it's hilarious. You just get pictures of me like and I've drawn on my face because I don't know how to do it. Um, and so, you know, I'm trying to go with technology, but it's like, it's beyond me. I feel like 32 is like gone downhill. Um, but I think what will always be the case for social media is being authentic to your brand. You've got to know what your brand is and what your, your goal is on social media. And if you stick with that, then whatever platform you're on, that message will still come across to people, I think. Cool. Uh, before we take a break for the next five minutes, uh, one more question. Uh, we all spend a lot of time in front of our computers, yes? So on social a lot. Uh, what is the one tool that we use and we favor more than anything else for expanding? So you can't say Hootsuite because I just said it. Holly, have you got any one tool you go, every day I use that and it helps me do this thing for social a little bit better? I'm not going to say anything bad about Hootsuite. <laughs> um, you know, because I'm just managing the one social media platform and we're not doing too much on it, I don't use any scheduling platform just now apart from like TweetDeck um, and I schedule on 
Facebook, which I find is really helpful. Yeah, a lot of people don't realise that you can schedule on Facebook. It's like a little unknown thing. Matthews are like one tool you could recommend anybody in this room. They say use this and your social will be better. Yep, um, it's, it's one that a lot of people won't have heard of. It's called If This Then That. Um, and what it does is it allows you to automate a lot of processes from web services. So what it'll do, for example, one way I use it that's really, really sort of useful for me is I, I take part in a lot of sort of Twitter chats, so Buffer chat and the Hootsuite chat that happens on a weekly basis. And what I can do with, with If This Then That is I set up um, a Twitter list. It'll automatically add people to that list that have used that hashtag. Um, without me having to do anything and then what I tend to find is those people that I've added to that list then follow me back. So every week when that, those chats are happening, I'm maybe gaining about 200 followers a week just coming from those chats and that's just something that I've automated. Um, you can use it for other things like say for example if someone, uh, every tweet that you, you post you could set it up to also add that to a Google Doc. So if you're doing social for a client at the end of the month you can provide them with a Google Doc that's got all the tweets that's went out and that's all been automated. So just it does so much. There's so many different web services that hook into it, and you can automate so many different processes. Definitely have a look at it. Yeah, it's ifttt.com. Uh, Brian, any sort of tool you use as a godsend, basically? Yeah, I find there's one, and it's an Australian-based one, which I, a lot of people here don't seem to know about, and it's called Schedugram. C-H-E-I. Anyway, I can show you what it is. So Schedugram allows you to fully um, schedule your Instagram posts. There is no need for it. Like, it doesn't pop up on your phone. You don't need to post it. It is literally a wholly automated scheduling tool for Instagram. So we have a uh, daily promotion for Yelp Glasgow, which is called hashtag Glasgow Guru. And essentially, it's a picture a day um, from restaurants, bars, all across Glasgow. And it's a guessing competition. So it's just the photo goes up and it says, do, do you know Glasgow better than anyone else? Where is this picture from? Everyone has a wee guess. Then the next day, I just pop onto Instagram, look at all the comments, have a bit of banter with some people and, you know, reveal the correct answer. Um, and I find Schedulegram is just, I couldn't do that. I like, I would have run that for a week without Schedulegram and then been like, oh, I forgot and I wouldn't bother. So Schedulegram, I can literally put up a month's worth of posts and then just sit back and chill and look at all the people commenting on my Instagram posts. It's amazing. Here we are, part two. Uh, I've asked Emma lots of questions. Now it's your turn. Uh, I've had two people who have sort of more than 140 character questions during the break, not just you. So I'm going to start with lady up here. She had a question for you three, okay? So just give me one second. What's your name? Um, it's My name's Lucy James. And would you like to ask a question to the panel here? Um, yeah, it's um, talked a lot about sort of platforms and kind of thinking about the purpose of what you're trying to do um, with social media. I just wondered if you could sort of talk a wee bit about content and how you actually kind of think about, come up with content, what kind of content, you know, engages people, gets responses from people, how you craft that kind of thing. So um, over to you guys. Who wants to take that one first? Which kind of content gets the most traction? Matthew, start with you. Um, I, th I think it really just comes down to research. Um, a really great tool I would highly recommend is a tool called BuzzSumo. Um, and what you can do is you can, you can put in a keyword on any particular topic. And what it will do, it will search the web and it will pull you back all the top content that's relevant to that keyword or topic. And what it'll do, it'll show you which platform it resonates best on. So it might be a piece of content that really works well on Facebook, but doesn't really work well on Twitter. Um, and you can see all the, the people that have shared it on the different platforms as well. So it's a great way for finding influencers as well. And you can look at the sort of types of content that they're sharing. Um, but what it, what it, 
there's a lot of analytics behind it, so it shows you like all, all the, the social shares, the engagement it's received, and what you can then do, I mean, what we do a lot of the time with sort of clients is, is take one piece of content and evolve it and make it so much better. So, for example, you could, t you could find a really, really good blog post um, that's relevant to your industry, and then go away and create a, an interactive infographic or, or something like that, uh, a, a, a video podcast based around that particular topic, um, and then sort of repurpose it and just make it make it a lot better. Um, so yeah, definitely check out sort of BuzzSumo um, for for finding good content. Cool. I suppose the content should be pointed towards you because Yelp is very much a lot based on text content and a lot of it needs to be socially shared what do you think about this point yeah i think i'm probably in quite a lucky position i have oodles and oodles of content if that's a actual number um yeah so the thing that i think is really important to remember is probably a lot of the content that people have you maybe you know publish it you know on a wednesday and then maybe you just think okay that's me i've put it out there but people's attention span is actually like quite hard to grab their attention. I think that's one of the issues of social media. So you can be giving them the same message, you know, a few times over and over again. There's obviously platforms which are better suited to that, like Twitter, rather than you don't necessarily want to be doing that too much on Facebook. Um, but you can also come back to that content if it's still relevant three months down the line. You know, I might have been able to put up a, a weekly Yelp about beer gardens today because the weather was really nice. <laughs> I obviously didn't, uh, but you know that was that would have been content that I would have written in April. But you know, if it, if it's got some kind of relevance now, you know, you just want to have a quick look over and make sure that those businesses haven't all closed down or, or something like that. But if there is relevance in your content, you can actually come back to it time and time again, not just putting it out there once and, and crossing your fingers and hoping for the best. So, you know, use that content as much as you can. Cool. Uh, does anybody have some sort of examples or work with any sort of what I did refer to as like sensitive content? Anybody do anything like that? Or sort of like I don't know, like a medical thing or a health thing where it might be a bit difficult. Anybody know? Oh wait, yeah, you <laughs> just. Uh, yeah, when I started working for the Precious Sales Group, that's what I knew was going to be my biggest challenge was, you know, making our content engaging um, and trying to get interactions off people, which is really hard, you know. I'm trying to sell stem cell storage and the majority of people don't know what it is. Like, does anyone so in here even know what it is? Yeah, so what I started doing then was campaigns. So last month we did a dad's campaign because what we find is um, the majority of customers that contact us are actually the father um, of the pregnant woman, um, you know, calling up to try and do his part. Um, so what we did was partnered with Kennet brand watches um, and put on a competition. So basically we put a landing page on our website and put a competition on there and just asked dads to write what's the best thing you're looking forward to becoming a dad or what's the best thing about being a dad. Um, and we actually got quite a good number of leads from that. That's a very positive um, spin on it too. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like a sensitive subject, but you've turned it into something yeah. sort of a want almost. Yeah, so um, we did that and then just like throughout the campaign wrote about, you know, shared blogs on dads and what dads can do to help and, you know, being prepared for the baby coming. Um, so it's just like thinking about your content, um, you know, how you can change it and make it a wee bit more interesting than just talking about stem cells. That's really cool. Uh, you had a question too, Ninderbell, do you want to ask it? 
Um, I'm going to start this question from a slightly contentious point of view, and that point of view being that likes and shares on Facebook, retweets and Twitter can arguably look at as meaningless because it's so quick, so easy to do. Um, if you put your mind to it, you could like a thousand posts in ten minutes probably. Um, so with that in mind, just looking for examples of clients or campaigns you've run in the past where the actual KPI, the end point of the campaign has been a more meaningful interaction, whether that's digital or human. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I can jump in there. It's a lot, like you said, a lot of those metrics are very much vanity metrics. Um, and again, it's about understanding the objective at the beginning of the campaign and what you're looking to achieve at the end of it. So if you're looking to sell a product, um, it's very much about that website click and that conversion at the end. Um, and again, it's just it's um, educating the client very much um, about what the objective is and how you're going to reach that objective. Um, a, a lot of the times, that all the clients are interested in is getting all those Facebook likes or all those retweets. Um, but a lot of the time, that's not really what you're looking to achieve here. It's very much about sort of selling the product or generating leads. Or, I mean, it, it really depends if you're running a brand awareness campaign where those likes and shares and impressions, etc., are very much the KPI that they are looking for. But again, if, if you're looking to maybe sort of get people to sign up to your website or, or sell a product, then it's very much about website clicks and the conversion. I guess like I have a little bit of a different perspective because I think if I looked at it, I would say 80% of our social media is not actually promoting Yelp Glasgow. It's actually promoting small businesses and it's not it's not saying to a small business that we're, you know, we're not paid to advertise small businesses. It's more like, say, we put out a weekly Yelp this morning, which is here's five hot new businesses in Glasgow. So our measurable result is those businesses seeing more traffic. And if they then have a positive association that those customers have come to them because it was Yelp that introduced them, you know, oh, did you hear about this awesome new pizza place on Mellor Street, Pisano? Like, if people are saying, we came to you because we saw this in the weekly Yelp newsletter that business is going to have a positive association with the fact they're getting more reviews on Yelp. So that's kind of how we, we look at it. We're not really putting out content that's, you know, download the app and, and all that kind of thing. It's really about promoting the businesses that we're, that we like, <laughs> that Yelp is like. Sorry. <laughs> that's your question, yeah. Nice knock. Cool. Uh, question here from at Naomi Narrative on Twitter. Uh, she asked, happy days, Glasgow. Should businesses involve themselves in unrelated mainstream trends online? For example, trending hashtags on Twitter. What do you guys think? So if I was running a bar in Glasgow but I want to start tweeting about, I don't know, the Emmys. Yeah, about Pizza Rat, about things David Cameron does. Like, What do you guys think? Do you think that there's a, a relatable aspect there at all or it just should be avoided? Yeah, I think um, definitely if they're relevant. Um, I've, there's a good story. It was... Um, I know a few of the guys in the sort of SEO industry, um, and it was a while back, I can't remember, it was one of the politicians, and it was all about bongos. Um, I can't remember what the actual story was, but it was something to do with bongos and a politician anyway. Um, and the, one of the, the, the guys that I know worked for the SEO company, that worked for a, a musical shop up in Dundee, um, and what they'd done is they actually got a set of bongos and sent it off to um, this politician, and it got picked, picked up by the mainstream media. It was on... STV, it was in the news, and the, from an SEO point of view, um, that sort of news jack, jacking sort of tactic got them loads of really good links from sort of sites that they would really want links from, like the, the news sites, etc. So I think as long as it's relevant um, and it's not something that's a bit sort of 
Harm, harm than almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, then certainly sort of take advantage of it. Yeah. And you're seeing a lot of big brands like Oreo and stuff, like you really jumping in and using like um, the Super Bowl and stuff like that and doing this sort of agile marketing in real time sort of marketing and having news teams on board for these big events so if something does happen they can they can sort of jump on it really quickly and but not everyone's got access to but it's it definitely does work yeah uh another question here from at dylan underscore mac 95 is persona research the way forward when planning social campaigns because he thinks so so is thinking about the persona the person the user more important than the end goal in sight and what i got any opinions on that so for example would research for a small business in Glasgow maybe a restaurant? Is they're thinking of a person better than they're thinking of selling more pizzas, selling more chips, selling more anything? Yeah, I guess like you always have to know who your customer is going to be, but you don't want to be too specific in that situation. You might alienate other customers. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's it's ideal to know who your customer is and maybe tailor a message to different segments of your audience rather than just having a message that you hope suits all of your audience. Maybe thinking about the different people that are your main main followers. Cool. Uh, another question here from Akingar. How do you make sure your content is suitable and engaging enough? Be it social or anything else. How do you think? How do you make your content suitable and engaging enough? I think you have to make it visual. Um, you know, there's been times where I've put up posts on Facebook or Twitter and people haven't even read the content that I've put with it. Um, like there was one I put up on my blog and it was pictures of a hotel's new lodges and people started actually messaging me asking if they could book. I'm like, well, not the hotel. Like they've probably <laughs> just seen the pictures. Um, so I just think make it visual. Um, I think that's what's going to make it engaging. Make sure you're not just using it as like a one-way street. Because there are brands out there who forget, you know, like it's an engaging platform. It's not just, you know, to sell their products. Um, you know, you can still sell your products whilst just talking to your customers. Um, and I think when you engage with them and start a conversation, that's a lot better than putting up a post with a link to your product. Cool. Anyone else got any opinions on how to make content suitable and engaging enough for any sort of small business? Think doing the research, um, so using tools like Buzzsumo and finding similar content and see the, how that content's displayed. If it's a blog post, if it's an infographic or a video, um, use your Google Analytics as well. Look at the content on your site that's working really well, and maybe look to adapt that and build out that content in different ways. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think research and just looking at analytics and things like that as well. Can, can uh, Brandy, a lot of like a Yelp stuff involves. A lot of long reviews, a lot of photographs. Is there anything out of the box you do that kind of content? Anything at all? Is there any sort of thing where you go, I will use this and we'll do this mental thing? Um, I don't think we do anything mental. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess like we're always using that content for different purposes. Like we have a weekly Yelp newsletter which features five businesses on whatever topic and those five businesses have a review which comes from a different Yelper. Um, in Glasgow so you know that's like a bit of kudos for that person that gets featured in the weekly Yelp newsletter that's like a little bit of bragging rights like how awesome's this we have a partnership with Scott Campus and again that's repurposing Yelpers content to write about student-friendly places around Glasgow places you can get Yelp check-in deals places you can get student discounts um, and things like that um, maybe there's mental things on the horizon for 2016 though so hmm.
Sounds good. Uh, final question here from Akron C. Ruxton at B Days Glasgow. Can you give any tips on how small businesses can use tracking pixels to improve their advertising on Facebook? Yep. Well, um, it really depends on what your the, the, the main objective is. Um, when you're creating a tracking pixel on Facebook, it's done at a campaign level. Um, and you can add sort of different events. So whether it be um, a website sign-up or... Um, Try to think of different examples, a, a purchase or something like that. So make sure that the, you, you can create multiple tracking pixels and then just assign those different tracking pixels to the campaigns. Um, and you can have the tracking pixels installed in different pages on the website. Um, so, I mean, for example, just now one of the clients that we work with is sort of Emma's Diary. Um, any mothers or anything like that, it's basically a pregnancy blog, and they work with a lot of big brands like Pampers and Mother Care and things like that, and they're now selling their products through their actual blog, um, and we're doing a lot of, sort of like website click campaigns, and we're tracking everything that they do, and that goes from clicking on the blog post right through to actually making the purchase on the website, um, and we have tracking pixels installed in all the, the various different pages for all the different campaigns that we're running, so just make sure you've got all your tracking codes set up um, for each of the individual campaigns. All bases covered, basically, yeah. yeah. Uh, before, has anybody else got any questions they would like just to ask our panel very quickly? Anyone got any questions? Yeah, you got one? Give me one second here. Go over, sir. Yeah. Hi. Um, basically, I was wondering was the concept of social is to reach a, a large target audience. And one thing I hear a lot of guys in, in our industry in particular talking about is waiting for it to get picked up by mainstream media so that it gets passed around a lot more. And then that's reading, reaching a larger target audience. I guess like with the idea of just constantly churning out content, hoping that something's going to get picked up with the cost of social media, is that equivocal or better to the cost of just going directly to mainstream? Who wants to answer that one? He's all looking very bewildered. I think social is probably one of the fastest ways to get mainstream now. Um, but to do that, again, I think you do need to spend money. Um, so you, whether it be boosting a Facebook post or running an ad campaign to promote your content or running promoted tweets, etc., cetera, um, that organic reach is now gone. Um, and if you want to target, the, whether it be influencers within your industry, etc., you're going to have to sort of spend money to reach those people now. Um, but again, it, with regards to the content, it needs to be of value. Social is so noisy just now, um, especially like so, uh, of Twitter. I mean, the iPhone 6, is announced 10 minutes later, you've got 150 posts in your feed about the iPhone 6 and its features and benefits, you know, and it's all the same, it's all the same crap, you know. Um, you actually need to sort of think outside the box and, and be creative. There's not a lot, not enough people out there being creative with their content, and that's the only way that you're going to get noticed, is if you stand out from the crowd, so. Um, and then if you, if you can do that and you can sort of define your audience and, and have a budget there to, to sort of promote that content, it will work. Um, and you will see success. I'll give you an example of such a thing like that. Uh, I read news yesterday that iron brew cells were down this summer on last year. There's a big story. Like, if, it, if everyone's drinking less iron brew, we should all start panicking, okay? Uh, but I'm drinking one right now. Uh, I thought about it, and then I remember that I used to live very close in town last year with the Commonwealth Games on, where I think it was happening. And I would see a lot of photos of people drinking Iron Brew based on a shop in that town. But i never seen an advert anywhere. It was never in a newspaper. It was just all social. And see if you go back and like look at the remainder for that past year, you'll never 
to have picked up, which is all social traction, and they blame their poor sessions this year on the weather, but it's Scotland's so way we do. So I think there's a balance in some ways, but social is only getting bigger. So no matter how big or small business is, it has to play a part. Uh, I think we should wrap it up there. I think that's like a really good end point for the thing. Fantastic. Guys, for Brownie, for Matthew, for Holly, could you give a round of applause, please, for coming tonight and being on our panel? Thank you very much. Well, that's it for episode two of the BDX podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it and you learned a thing or two about social media. Uh, please stay in touch with us and get involved with everything digital we do at BDX. Please follow us on Twitter at BDX Glasgow or subscribe to the podcast and stay up to date with every episodes. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.